Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam McGuire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Ah, oh, thank you very much there, Seamus. As you know, we always take care of business. Welcome to Sticks and Taps, everybody. Thursday, May 21st. Paul Cuthbert, yours truly down here in New York. And please say hello to your friend and mine from the great city of Ottawa, up in the great white north, Mr. Liam McGuire. Liam, how are you, sir? How's she going? How's she going? She's going grand, man. It's a beautiful day here in New York. Feeling good. And always look forward to talking to you, mate. How about yourself? Oh, likewise, Polly, right back at you, buddy. We're having our uh, our best day of this, well, uh, interesting summer so far, considering we had snow two weeks ago. So it's absolutely gorgeous out today and promises to be even nicer tomorrow and uh, and a spectacular weekend. So I think we finally broke the backs of, uh, of winter and spring and uh, summer is here with a vengeance in a good way. And we're all pumped to, uh, to just, uh, you know, we'll just slide through the pandemic and just hammer back the pints. <laughs> what a plan you have sir so look we didn't i know you were busy i was busy i didn't catch up with you online there a little bit this week but uh did you get on the golf course or what last weekend yeah yeah i got two rounds in so far uh nothing to write home about that's for sure an 89 and an 88 very uh pedestrian i mean i should you know i mean if if you said if you had to get said okay liam will give you a pair of 85s to start i would have jumped all over that so i was really only a few shots higher than where i I probably was uh, on a best case scenario would have come in my my uh, you know and the the thing is too we're under fairly tight restrictions you, you can only show up on site twenty minutes before your tea time uh, you're then um, you're then ushered down to the driving range where you've got what's left of that twenty minutes to hit some balls and and or chip and putt then you're right down on the range or excuse me on the first tee and away you go. And when your round's done, you have to leave the premises right away. So nothing's open, no clubhouse, no locker room, no pro shop. There's staff on hand just sort of to shepherd you around. And you can pick up some essentials. Uh, they have a few balls for sale and some bag of teas and stuff. You can get scorecards and things of that nature uh, in, in what would normally be our starter shack. And uh, if you do take a cart, only one person to a cart. And, you know, the rest is just common sense and no handshakes at the end of the round. Uh, people are just tapping putters, which is funny. But um, and you can't touch a pin, and all the rakes are out of the bunkers and stuff like that. But hey, man, we're golfing. You know, I'm an avid golfer, so I uh, I'm playing tomorrow and I'm playing Saturday. So it's uh, I'll have four rounds in here uh, by uh, by Saturday, and uh, and hopefully my game will improve a little. <laughs> oh, good stuff. And you're not allowed to touch each other's balls, right? Can't touch each other's balls, Polly. No, no, that's that's heavily frowned upon. <laughs> that's your Brad Marchand, you know. And that touching of each other's putters, that's your own business, okay, mate? <laughs> yes, exactly. Keep your putters to yourself. <laughs> what a world. What a world. What a world. What a world we've got right now. What a world. Exactly. Too much. All right, real quick. Uh, just yesterday, um, you know, they're posting out this thing. Now they're talking about a 24-game playoff format in the NHL. Uh, did you read into it? Did you look into it? I mean, look, it's all speculation, right? It's the same thing. We can just – this is a constant loop. But it's the yeah. current latest news on the game that we love. 
And um, again, I think right now it's being thrown back to the NHLPA. And these guys got to see it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're doing the Bundesliga over there in Germany. And they're starting to do some stuff there. And I think uh, the Premier League is is uh, looking to get back into it, too. And obviously here in the States, talking about baseball and this, no fans, everything else. Again, it's constant speculation. But since we are a hockey show, uh, again, the, this is the current news. And, uh, again, uh, I have to ask you, Liam, just your quick take on this uh, this proposal of a 24. Uh, I mean, whatever, I guess whatever whatever format they come up with, it's just still a matter of whether they can make it all happen logistically. Yeah, it, this is Groundhog Day, and it's become that for you and I as well because there's really nothing you can add to it uh, until, I mean, you can't cross the border. Uh, the World Health Organization is still saying you can't have large gatherings. They would have to figure out a way for testing. Um, I, I see the latest thing, really, if you want to go right to the minute type thing, within the last 48 hours anyway, is they continue to, to, to dialogue or discuss possible different scenarios where locations that you could bring in multiple teams and stage a tournament, if you will, Stanley Cup playoff, and, and uh, you know, in, in one or two or more locations and then have the ability to get the winning teams around and to advance. Well, there's a lot of other logistics as well. Like, if they're increasing beyond 16, and that's bringing in teams, for example, like the Montreal Canadiens, do they even want to be there? Does that mean they have no shot at Lafreniere, as, as minimal as it may be, to take first overall? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's just so much up in the air, buddy. And I just, I, I, I just don't know. I, I mean, my heart of hearts, I still see a Stanley cup being awarded in 2020, but I think I'm being more of a romantic there than anything else. Just that they're going to try and find that they'll find a way at some point this summer to do something. And that will be akin to an NHL playoff and we'll have a Stanley cup awarded asterisk be damned. They'll have a cup awarded, but the other side of me sits back here and says, man, we're 10 days away from the end of May. And uh, all festivals here in the Ottawa area for the entire summer have been canceled. Every, every one. That was the latest thing announced here this morning in Ottawa. So in the region where I live. And, of course, we still can't cross the border. And, and you got 17% of the NHLPA live uh, abroad. <laughs> you got to get them back from overseas. So... So many things have to happen, and uh, I think I think you know we're just just gonna have to wait it out, buddy. And uh, you know it was a big day here at the house. We took the empties back. Oh, Some wow. of the local Great stores update. are yeah. yeah. How, how much did you guys oh. get back for that? Oh, it was monstrous, <laughs> monstrous. It took took me about twenty minutes to unload them in. I had to clean out the truck and put in. Uh, Put in some extra towels and stuff because a lot of cans and, uh, you know, we buy cans usually in the summer. They cool quicker in a cooler and uh, not as many bottles, but uh, they were stacked up here about, uh, I'd say about four feet in the kitchen. It was actually getting kind of difficult to walk in the kitchen uh, to the uh, to the to the washer and, and uh, dryer. Uh, almost inevitably, either me or my roommate were stumbling into a, to a couple of boxes of cans of empties. So we finally got rid of them and uh, got back enough money to uh, buy all our beer for the weekend. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> Nobody recycles like you, buddy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, you know, it's all about uh, the economy. You know, it's all, all about the uh, and, uh, you know, about the about doing the right thing, you know, for the uh, for the health and wellness of everybody. You know, recycle everybody. Recycle, you know, think first. Safety first. The people of Canada. Thank you.
<laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to see hockey. I don't know. What do you think? I, 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 I still, my gut, my heart says, my heart says we'll have a cup in 2020. My brain says no. But uh, I just think at some point they're going to find a way and they'll do whatever for the following season. So if they got to award a Stanley Cup for 2020 in August or September, I think there's a there's a, an appetite by the NHL to do that. I really do. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, my personal opinion right now, and every week it changes. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think this is kind of consistent. So with all the reopening that's going on, you know, and I just myself personally, I just canceled 15 more, sh- you know, sh- solo shows that I have as a performer on top of the year. All the big band shows have been canceled. So, um, and, you know, me and the wife were just talking too because, you know, they're starting to open up the beaches here a little bit and the boardwalk back down by the water and everything else. But I personally right now, I, I think the next two to three weeks or, you know, till the end of June for me is going to be a pretty good um, measure or, uh, you know, a telltale as far as the trends, whether spikes go back up, um, you know, how this is either going to turn one way or the other. You know, you, you, it's hard to, to kind of filter through all the reports and, 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 and understand what's to believe, which numbers are right, you know, because there's a, you know, there's a pretty much taken notion that pretty much anybody who's unfortunately passing away of anything right now, they're, they're putting it under the COVID-19 thing, so... You know, as far as stats and everything. But I think, for me, I think we all need to wait probably another month to see how these slow reopenings go. And what's happening in the middle of the country right now, unfortunately, is that the cases are reporting that they're going up. And, unfortunately, things that are being opened up now are being closed again. And the other thing, unfortunately, that we're seeing out there is is just a certain element of local populations that are just not complying with the... You know, the social distancing. You know, it's, it's unfortunate to see people arguing about masks and not wearing masks and, and just doing their part of, uh, you know, at least, you know, if we're going to reopen and we're all going to do this together, you just have people that are just not really kind of, you know, working together on this, unfortunately. You know, whether whether that changes or not or whether that's going to affect anything is, is, is still to be seen. But, you know, we, we've seen people, you know, trashing the beach already it's it's just you know it's unfortunate unfortunate and I think for me personally right now I think another month is going to be a gauge and I imagine you know sports or any anything else is going to probably watch that too and I'm sure the NHLPA and all the players unions and all the sports right now they all got to sit back and they all kind of got to watch and see what happens here um, as far as data and, and where it goes because you know you can put any plan in place but if these reopenings, which have happened now in the last couple of weeks, and, and if the numbers are going to come in that, you know, the case is going back up again, then it's like, okay, you got to put the brakes on again. And, and this is, this is you know, as serious as, as it's been reported, and we just got to wait. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in a place right now for me personally, you know, as far as professional music, performing live, all that stuff, I'm okay with waiting. You know, I've been, I have no choice in the matter right now. But even if I was asked to come in and, you know, some of the local guys here are doing, like, these parking lot gigs and, you know, playing in the back of pickups and, you know, outside restaurants and everything else, for me it's just, you know, I, I'm in no rush. I don't need to do that. I don't want to do it. And I'd rather wait right now to kind of see what happens because um, I think it's healthy that people are getting back out there and stuff. But I just think for me personally it's just 
there's nothing wrong with waiting. I've already kind of adjusted to it. It's been three months. Uh, you know, financially, it's kind of steady. You know, the best we can do. I have my other business doing well. I know it's different for everybody else. Uh, but this is a long-winded reply to whether the NHL is going to come back. But I think it's relative to just an average guy, whether you're a hockey player or uh, or you work the you know security or safety at these arenas or wherever they plan to put these things up, is that we're just going to have to wait to see. I think another two to three weeks or a month after these slow reopenings, let's see what happens. And if, if it doesn't seem like this thing is going to get any worse or it's pulling everybody back, then you know, then I think maybe everybody gets a little more confidence in terms of, okay, we can do this. And the last thing I'll say this, too, is I just was able to sign up for today. Uh, the testing is available, so I can now go and get the antibody test. And I think more people who do that and, and the more people who have that confirmation that they have the antibodies and everything else, I think it's all a process. So I think that whole logistic pro- process of everybody kind of getting healthy together or, or you know, uh, you know, monitoring monitoring this thing together or building it together. Obviously, in a league or a profession or a company, you know, the leadership can send down the standards, and then if everybody complies, I think that, you know, as far as players complying, uh, like they're doing with the German Soccer League and, and how they might do the Premier League, and that's how the NHL would have to do it in Major League Baseball, and that's a contingency. The general pop here is, is a different situation, and I, just, I honestly think we just need to kind of wait. I think... I think another month is good for me in terms of seeing how everything goes. Well, like you said, we got no got no choice anyway. Yeah. So so we we, we wait and see and uh, and weekly here and and countless thousands of others speculate and we wait and see. It'll be sixteen teams, twenty teams, twenty four teams. Be hockey, be no hockey, be Stanley Cup, be no Stanley Cup, and uh, and we just we just wait. No other choice. And let's wait. We'll, we'll put hold until. Something real comes through, right? <laughs> Till they stop <laughs> posting schedules, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, uh, exactly. I, I think until borders are at least accessible, because until they do that, there's definitely can't be anything, right? So, so that's number one. Uh, you can't get people back from overseas. It's number two, and uh, so you know until until you can get people collectively together, and then are all the players even going to want to play? That's number three. You know that before even you get you, you get one and two agreed upon, then you then then by then you get down to number three. Is every single player going to want to go? I I don't know. I mean uh, that's up in the air still too. So yeah, it's uh well, yeah. I mean, oh, real quick times, on man. That, like I said, that's I mean it's a phenomenal question because I can tell you if if I got called right now by venues to play, you know, hey Paul, can you come do a solo gig or Lewin doing this or with the band come and play in the parking lot or do a virtual show and right now the answer is no, you know, so that's a take, you know what I'm saying? And, and then if you take how many players in the league and you get a certain amount of players that are going to say, no, I'm not into it. Not yet. I mean, that's, I think that's what you just brought up. There is a major, are you saying, are you saying no, if, 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 are you saying no, even if your local health organization and or the world health organization or whoever is, is, is putting forth, the directives on how to, what to do in and around this pandemic. If you're saying if, if you got the green light in the area to do something and say even outdoors and, and uh, you have, you were allowed to have a crowd of a hundred people in an outdoor park or something, and they wanted you to come and play, you wouldn't go. Not right now. No, it's not worth it. And, and you know, an outdoor park thing is no, let's, like I said, let's just keep it with me. I'm not even, I, I'm not going to speak for my, 
the other guys and gals that play with me in my other big projects. You know what I'm saying? I can only speak for me. I don't. I'm. I'm going to wait till the end of June. I'm going to. I'm going to see. I, I think it's. It's too much of a rush. I don't need to do it right now, thankfully. And uh, I, I'm telling you right now, the economics of it have already. You know, I, I know most of the guys that are going out and playing right now that are doing this stuff. Most of them are either not getting paid because they're they're volunteering as a way to kind of you know help things out, and number two, because of capacity restrictions and everything, they're definitely not getting the full boat. You know, and no. Again, so take 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 that out of the equation. Let let's just we're just speculating here anyway. So I guess I'm just trying to point out that that I would go. I, I mean, if if our local health people say it's okay. And you can do this gathering, and they go to uh, bar XYZ, who says, uh, Liam, can you come in and talk hockey? We've been giving the green light to open up by the health organizations. Would you come in and talk? We've got a crowd. We think we're going to have 50, 60, or 70 people here tonight um, sitting in tables that have been spaced, but they're welcome to come in. And we're serving. Let's just say all things being equal. And, and it's been green lighted. I, I, I would go. Yeah, and, and that's fine. And I'm, I think this is a great example as how, you know, uh, uh, like I said, the, let's just take the NHLPA for this. Like, they've got to bring this back. Because I'm going to say right now, I'm, if I, you know, and like I said, it has been clear. They're, people are getting shows. They're, they're playing out here. They're doing things. And if I was called and asked to do something, my answer is right now, no. Now, I have a little bit of a more inside track, right? So I had, I had 15 solo shows booked this month, okay? And I coordinated with all the owners on Monday. And I said, hey, look, you know, I'm just here to, to, to go ahead. And I, 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 you know, because right now, phase four, entertainment here on Long Island as a regular business is you, we got to wait. So it's not even, you can't even do it. Now, someone, like I said, the parking lot, I see a couple of parking lot things. Cause some guys are doing like these happy hour stuff and all that other stuff. So I don't know how that's working out. Like I said, most of the restaurants right now, like I said, it's all it's all pickup stuff. But I think, like I said, this is a good um, discussion right now. So um, my answer is no. I don't want to go. But what I'm saying is I collectively uh, communicated with all the owners on Monday. And I said, look, uh, um, I, you know, just communicating here to officially um, cancel all the performances that were on the schedule for June, right? And every single one of them, all said, yes, Paul, we're officially canceled. Um, yes, absolutely. Not one of them said, uh, but, well, hey, we're going to do this, or would you come in for that, or we're going to do this. So my direct line to my local uh, venues that I perform with have all basically, and that answer was saying, number one, um, we're just not going to do it because we don't have the money to do it. You know what I'm saying? Or they're also just firmly complying with the current CDC and state you know, phases of, of where it is. So that's the answer for me right now. But if somebody did call me and, he, and offered me to, to play up in a happy hour or on Friday or something for an hour to help out with takeout orders or whatever, um, my answer is no, even if, even if they would offer me full boat. Because I personally, like I said, this is just me, I'm just going to wait. Because it's not necessarily that the place isn't going to be clean and, and everything else. I just... Uh, there's no harm in me just waiting another two to three weeks, another month, and let's see how the reopening goes with everybody else first. And then up to me, 
you know, for me as a, as a husband, as a father with two kids and everything else, and I know you do too, and, and like I said, it's just these are my thoughts. It's like, you know what, I'm going to wait one more month. Let's see all the data. Let's see if everything's progressing. Let's see how um, the social distancing is going, and let's get some good news and, and moving forward. And that then, Liam, will give me more confidence to then say yes to opportunities in July and August, if you can understand that. Yeah, I, I understand it. I, 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 uh, I mean, look, if someone phones me up today, yeah, because there's nothing's been officially allowed to open and someone's going to try and do something, whether it's a circumvent or a run around or an end around, or they say, look, we, we think we can collectively get X number of people now because the groups have been allowed to be increased and we want to do this. No, I'd be reticent as well. But my, my point was if, if, the, if your respective health organizations have green lighted uh, a, a, uh, an ability to have a crowd and thereby have an, entertain, an entertainer and said location wants me to come in as a gig to uh, perform and the health organization is saying yes – this is not a COVID risk anymore based on our data and where we're at, then I'm going. So I think we're saying the same thing. We're just saying it in different ways. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, let's, like I said, it, right now there's reopening going. Okay. It's the first phase. So yes, I, but there's, there's no reopening right now where you could go and play anywhere. There isn't where I could anyway, not here in Ottawa. There's no, there's no opening of any place here in Ottawa. Let's say Liam McGuire's got the green light to open tomorrow and and let's say all restaurants in ottawa okay guys you can open all right we're good you know we're good we're, we flatten the curve we're whatever whatever doesn't matter but if the ottawa health organization says we're good to go restaurants bars you're good to go we're okay you know for whatever reason don't don't even take all the speculation and hypotheses out of it let's just say the health organizations have said yes are you still not going even though they've said yes not right now. Okay, so so there's so that's it. So we can get just you know boil it right down to that. You're yeah. you're not whereas now, I would I would go. Well, he, well, here's the tough part of the argument because you're saying if like so there's phases, right? So that that part of the phase hasn't opened up here. No, no, I I no, Paulie, they haven't opened here either. Like take take all the semantics out of it. This is just speculation. I know, but this is just, just but speculation. It's still, but it's still a length of time, though, right? So, like, what we were saying is, like, to me, all right, I'm trying to narrow this down. So, the, there's, a, I'll take one. There's one place over here by the water, right? So, the, what they've done is, if they they've set up a pickup truck and they, it's in the parking lot. So they have the musician in the pickup truck, and everybody comes in, gets their takeout orders. They hang out in the parking lot. Your man's up there playing, whatever. And that, that is allowed right now, okay? You can't have anybody coming in and stuff like that. So even that, like, I don't want to do that gig right now. I don't want to do it. Uh, like, I'm saying no to that. Obviously, nobody's allowed inside yet. But even still, and, and this is the thing, because the I think me, me and you are on the same page as far as the timing aligning up, right? So by the time a band or a musician or a speaker or a DJ can set up inside a venue right now with full capacity is probably about six to eight months down the road, just honestly, because they have to do it at half capacity 
first. You know, you're 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 missing my point. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I I don't know. I guess the thing is is like yeah, if you're missing my point, no, totally. I think if, totally. I, what am I missing? I don't I don't care about the timeline. Let's say it's six minutes. Let's say it's six months. Let's okay. say it's six years. It doesn't matter. My my only contention here is two things. One, local health organization, either in where you live or where I live, says green light. Forget about all the rest. Gotcha. It doesn't uh, matter. The yes, pandemic was- has arrived. We are arrived at the point. We're on the news this morning on May 21st. Guess what? Restaurants, bars, venues, good to go. Open up. If it was today, if they said that today, I'm going. If they say, Liam, we want to hire you, good. We got the green light. Health organization says yes. We're good to go. Are you in? We need you. We'd like to hire you. Yep, I'm going. Are you in? Are you going or are you not? Simple. Forget about all the rest. Gotcha. They just stay on point here, pal. Yeah. I'm out first. I'm going to let the first month go with everybody going okay. out first. That's it. Gotcha. All right. All right, mate. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, buddy. What do you got for us today? Let's go back in time. Let's talk a little hockey history. <laughs> well, well, listen. This is uh, this is personal hockey history today. Uh, very, uh, very important day for a bunch of reasons for me. Well, very important date for a bunch of reasons uh, for me. And uh, May twenty first for one. And this uh, has a direct correlation to sticks and tops because. Um, today, as I announced three weeks ago, in conjunction with yourself, that we would do uh, three more Clancy Brother tunes to take, as we always love to do, Paulie, is take us out with Irish music. And we've done exclusively the Clancy's, and you know I'm partial to them above all else. And and uh, and you're, yourself, and we, we always have to make mention of our dear friend Liam Burke. And uh, and others who listen who have said, hey, you know, there's other Irish music. So today, Paulie, culminates the end of our, well, let's, let's call it our first run with the Clancy's. And next week and beyond, God willing, we keep doing these, that we'll move into different Irish music. And the reason for that, Paulie, that I felt it was an appropriate time is tomorrow is my birthday. And so we would coincide the final song, which today would I talk about it later, is a song called The Parting Glass. And as an appropriate way to end our first run with the Clancy Brothers on the eve of my birthday. And if you think about it, for everybody growing up, the eve of their birthday, either when, especially when you change into another decade. So when your last year as a single digit and you turn 10, last year as a teenager, and last year in 20s and 30s and 40s and beyond. And those are those are, are, are significant birthdays. And in my case, on this date, May 21st, 1979, it was my last day ever as a teenager. And I was at the Montreal Forum. And the Canadians were playing the New York Rangers on home ice in Game 5 in the Stanley Cup Final. My last day ever as a 19-year-old, I was in the building when the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. And Carol Vadney scored the last goal ever against Ken Dryden or on Ken Dryden. And and uh, uh, Jacques Lemaire got, got, got two goals that game, including the Stanley Cup winner, becoming, I believe, the seventh player at that time, I think the sixth, because Mike Bossy did it after him, to score two Stanley Cup winning goals. 
and he got the one in 1977 as well for the Canadians over the uh, over the Bruins. And uh, I was there. I was there with um, three other guys: Kevin Jardine, Tom Bissonette, and a guy named Greg Meredith. We didn't hang around with. Uh, I did back then, but very little actually. Surprisingly, after he was a big Hab fan. Kevin really uh, didn't really know who he cheered for, but he loved the party. And um, and Tom Bissonette was a Leaf fan, but he came with us anyway. And I had um, the interesting thing about that night, obviously, is and a lot of Ranger fans can probably attest to this because 1994 is not that long ago, and there are I'm sure a ton of Ranger fans still alive who were around, who were in you know uh, in the building when the Rangers beat Vancouver in Game Seven in, in that phenomenal Stanley Cup Final in 1994. But um, you know, you go back to 1979, brother. You're talking, uh, you're talking 41 years ago. So that's a bit of a hike. And that night, um, I had golf shirts. I, so I, I, I was working three jobs at that time. And one of my jobs was working at a store in Manitou called Four Season Sports. I was kind of like known as a hockey guy in there. I, I sold the hockey equipment. I sharpened all the skates. And uh, that's, you know, I was basically the hockey guy at Four Season Sports. Well, they had a they had um uh, they would they would um um source out anytime you needed any silk screening done or embroidery work done and i came up with this plan we all knew the canadians were going to win that series and i'm not i'm not trying to take the piss out of here as a ranger fan or nothing i'm just saying you know i mean i'm sure if you remember it you knew that whoever won montreal boston semifinal was going to win the stanley cup there was no doubt about that and you know and the rangers made a game of it right they were they won game one and they were up, they were up two nothing in, JD in, uh, <laughs> JD. Yeah. JD played lights out. He was fantastic. And so did a number of, of other Rangers and, and including even Phil Esposito, you know, it was really his last hurrah. And he played, I thought he played outstanding, uh, throughout the playoffs for the Rangers. But, um, I said to the boys, I said, look, at here's the plan. Larry Robinson told me that, if I if we can get in the dressing room, we just assumed the Habs are going to win the cup that night. So said if we can get in the room, then we're in. We're locked in and we are going to drink for free all night, just pounding, pounding pints back. And I said, OK, that's a challenge. Let's see what we can do. So I went to the guys and I said, fellas, I'm going to get golf shirts made up for the four of us. And on the left hand side, on the chest, it's going to say, Club de Hockey Canadien with the crest, with the CH crest. And they were white and they looked official. Like if you looked at those things, keep in mind, Paulie, the year, right? Security is a little different. Uh, the world's a whole lot different. This is 1979. Now you got sheer euphoria in the building. So as the Canadians wrap up winning the cup and put the put the bow on that game and they announce uh, Bob Gainey as the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and the Canadians are putting Gainey on their shoulders as they're carrying him around the ice, and the fans are going crazy in the Montreal Forum. Yeah. 18,076 people there. I still remember the attendance. Four of them were me and my three buddies, and I said, guys, now's the time. Now's the time. Let's go. Now, I knew my way around that building like the back of my hand. So we wormed our way through the crowd, on a single solitary mission to get down and into the dressing room, coinciding as the masses of the players and the other carrying on, you know, the carry on type of people, hanger on, hangers on, we're going to try and slide in. I said, we'll just become 
part of that group. And look, we were wearing official Montreal Canadian licensed merchandise. And we went by one usher. We went by two. We went by three. We went by security. We went by Montreal police. We were sliding like a knife through butter. The sheer euphoria. You can hear the screaming in the room. Guys are going nuts. People everywhere. We're worming our way in there. We get to the front of the dressing room. We make the right-hand turn just to slide into the Montreal Canadian dressing room. I can see, I can see Larry Robinson. He's about probably 40 feet away, maybe a little less. 30 feet, 30, 35 feet away. I can see him. He sees me. He's just got a big grin on. He's already covered in a full bottle of champagne. Everybody's going nuts. We're in. We're in the room. I'm the first guy. The other guys are behind me. I'm reaching out. I'm going to have a pint in my hand in literally seconds when we were pushed against the wall by a crowdsource that came through like a tsunami. And there was RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, plainclothes security, took every person, not just us, but anybody who was in the way and made a path and got us all pushed out of the way, which in our case physically moved us back to just outside the dressing room door. The reason being to allow the Prime Minister of Canada, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, to make his grand entrance to come in. He walked right in front of us. And it's his son, who's our current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. So the the Prime Minister, the, the first Trudeau, Pierre Elliott, P-E-T, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, came in and we got we got shoved back out, caught in the vortex of people who were then swirling, waiting and hoping and trying to worm their way back in when sadly we kind of got outed and people started to put two and two together. Like you got to remember, I was 19 years old, turning 20 the next day. I looked, I, I, I probably looked 15 and they just, they just looked at us and, and just realized something was wrong and something was up. We were seconds away from being in far enough that they, they, we wouldn't have got kicked out because Larry would have handed me the beer. We would have handed the beer to the guys and we would, we had the shirts on. We would have been fine. Yeah. But instead we got the bums rush out the front of the door and we, and we, we couldn't get back in and we hung around for probably about 30 minutes. And then we realized, well, you know, we've already missed our main bus home. And the way it worked in those days, you came down on the package from Ottawa if you miss that one, you all, you, all, you can always catch the red eye back to Ottawa. But if you don't make that one, which I, I know from experience because I missed it many times <laughs> for different reasons, that, uh, and you're looking at a long night in Montreal, and sometimes that was good, sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, there was never a dull moment. But we caught the red eye back and, and went back home. And, and, you know, I turned 20 the next day, and I said, my God, what a way to leave life as a teenager. And, of course, you think, things are going to remain the same. You know, when you, if you think, Polly, the times in your life when you've done something for, for an extended period of time, three years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, something that's a significant period of time, you think it's never going to end. It's never going to end, you know. I'm never going to stop hanging with these guys or, or uh, you know, the Canadians are going to continue winning Stanley Cups. 
<laughs> or, or uh, you know, uh, this, this life as you know it is going to stay the same. And, and when you look back now and you think how quickly things changed and, and you fast forward two years, that was on a Monday night, by the way. That was a Monday night, May 21, 1979. Two years later, same date. Now, not a significant birthday by any means. I'm, I'm 21, and I'm about to turn 22. And I was, uh, I was an employee at the uh, uh, working for the township, Rideau Township, as it was known then. It's now been amalgamated as part of Ottawa. And the significance with that date two years later, which was a Thursday, and it has another New York connection because the New York Islanders won their second Stanley Cup on this date, May 21st, 1981. And leading up to the game played that day and night, of course, in Nassau County Coliseum, um, I was uh, working, as I said, for Rideau Township. The hockey season was over, and I was I was doing uh, other laborious type of uh, work for them. It was my lunchtime uh, leading up to, uh, you know, moving back a few weeks earlier. And I started, there was a radio show, local radio show on. I used to sit on, lie on top of the Zamboni and eat my lunch, listening to the noon hour radio show on radio station CFRA. And they had the late Hal Anthony was on the air. And he, he on Fridays, he would run these trivia contests. And it was triv- all trivia, not just sports and not just hockey. But hockey questions were a part of it. And he had two lines. One line he could phone in for a question, the other line for an answer. And um, it was at the end of one show, probably around probably around May 8th, 9th, somewhere around there, 10th, about two weeks earlier, a little less. And I phoned in. And it was a hockey about three or four hockey questions nobody had answered. So I cleaned them up. And then he said, uh, hey, what, would you like to ask one? And I said, well, I'm on the wrong line, sir. And he said, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. There's only 15 minutes left in the show. So... So I, I asked, what was the first year the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup? And he said, okay. Uh, do, you, do you have the answer? I said, yeah, I got the answer. And so, uh, you know, and there was a bunch of other questions out there. But everybody phoning in was trying to answer it. So they, they'd say 1915, and he'd say, Liam? And I'd say, no, that was Vancouver Millionaires. 1917, no, that was Seattle Metropolitans. 1918, no, it was Toronto Arenas. 1914, no, it was Toronto Blue Shirts. And he said, oh, you must have a book in front of you or something. I said, no, no, I know who won the Cup every year. You do? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, it's pretty cool. And then finally somebody got it, and I hung up. Then uh, about uh, two weeks later, he, I phone, uh, same thing, having lunch, top of the Zamboni, after, you know, out cutting grass, doing stuff in the fields, the whole, working for the township. Great job, by the way. Absolutely loved it. Loved it, working in the area. And and uh, I phone in, phone in again, and he says, hey, we had a hockey guy on the air uh, a couple weeks ago. And I said, uh, yeah, it was me. And he said, oh, my God, we got a ton of calls about you after. And, and uh, he said, uh, can you phone me after the show? I said, sure. So I phoned him after the show, and he said, uh, would you be interested in coming to the studio and taking questions? Could, he said, do you think you could do that if people phoned in? Are you that good? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, all right, well, what do you think is going to happen here with the Islanders and, and, and Minnesota and Stanley Cup Finals? I said, the Islanders are going to kill them. And, and he said, uh, okay, well, we got to pick a date here because I don't want you on after the playoffs are over. So we settled on May 22nd. And I said, okay. I said, by the way, that's my birthday. And, and he said, uh, oh, well, okay. Well, are you still okay to come in? He said, sure. And he said, well, we'll pay you $75 for the two hours. I said, oh, my God. I, mean, I was doing the math. A case of beer was going for 12 bucks at that time. I'm looking like at 524s at a 12, you know. 
And and uh, so, anyways, we get down to it, and the Islanders and the North Stars are are uh, playing. I believe is Game Five on the twenty first, and he phoned me the day before the twentieth and said, "I don't think the series is going past tomorrow night." I said, "I don't think so either," and he said, "Can you come in tomorrow?" Instead of the 22nd, and I said, sure. So on May 21st, today's date, 39 years ago today, was the first time ever, Polly. I went in, did radio, and answered hockey trivia questions in a format, you know, that would become such a huge part of my life. 39 years ago today, ironically, on the same day of the week, Thursday then, Thursday now, and uh, they paid me the 75 bucks. And that night, the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. They beat Minnesota 5-1. to one. Butch Goring got two goals and the game winner. And I've used this one in Ottawa many, 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 many times. I would say what former Ottawa 67 scored the Stanley Cup winning goal for the New York Islanders the second year they won the cup. And, you know, everybody guesses Danny Potvin or John Potvin. People forget Wayne Merrick was there. Wayne Merrick got the cup winner. And the other interesting thing that I love the story, I love to tell about the Islanders winning the cup that night in 81 on this date, 39 years ago, they got the game at hand. I mean, there's there's less than four minutes to play. They're up 5-1. Minnesota doesn't even want to know. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to the Rangers two years earlier in Montreal, the game I was at, same date. And Billy Smith, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not, but Billy Smith is out there at a 5-1 game less than four minutes ago, and he's punching guys in the head. <laughs> he, he gave Kevin Maxwell, I don't know if you remember a guy on Minnesota. He's an Edmonton native, drafted by the North Stars, wasn't an overly big guy, but he played a tough game. He's kind of a poor man, Stan Jonathan, only nowhere near as tough. Or Gary Howitt or Dennis Polinich. Like, he was a step below those guys toughness-wise, but but he didn't back down. And his name was Kevin Maxwell. There's <laughs> three and a half minutes to go in the game, and Smith's feeding him. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? You know, battling Billy Smith. Get his last licks in. You know, the season was yeah, over. I know. I know. He said, I won't be able to punch anybody again until exactly. October, I guess. So he wanted to get it in. Anyway, I'll never, ever, ever forget that. But I thought um, I thought for today, you know, it would be a couple of things given the date. And uh, as I said, you know, my birthday tomorrow. I changed the decade last year. And, uh, you know, so I'm 61 tomorrow. But uh, Last year on this date uh, on social media, I I, uh, I stole a page from Brian Trotche. He was the first guy I saw do it. And uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but the Players' Tribune is an online site that all sports fans should frequent. They, yeah. they get current or past athletes like superstars, pretty much. Uh, it could be others, but largely people of great renown to write amazing essays on on their lives and their careers or certain situations as they saw it. So it's not some media guy or family member or or opponent or whatever. It's as they saw it. And they had Brian Trache do a story where he was writing to his 18-year-old self. What would you say to your 18-year-old self? And and I read it. I still. I was on the air. I was still. I was still working in radio in Ottawa. So this is, uh, tells you this was three years ago. But it stuck in my mind. I was so enamored with it. I phoned him up. Like Brian and I have become fairly decent friends over the last decade or so. I've got his cell number. So I gave him a call and he, I said, "Can you come on the air and talk about that?" I thought it was amazing. And um, so when I turned sixty last year, I I I, I did that. 
And uh, I, I posted a picture of me and actually two of the guys that were with me that night in the forum in 79, Tom Bissonnette and Kevin Jardine. And there was a fourth guy in the photo, but he wasn't there in, in Montreal. But uh, And I wrote, a, I wrote to myself, as a, as a 19-year-old Liam McGuire, what would you say? What, what, what would you say? And, and I tell you what, and I'll say this to you, Polly. I encourage people at some point, in some point, you know, when you have some time to sit down and you don't have to write the whole Shakespearean beautiful prose and cross your T's and dot your I's. Just make some notes and, and do it for fun, like a fun exercise. What would you say? to your 18 or 19 year old self, you know, I mean, and you don't want to go into the whole, you know, I the only whole need three words. <laughs> I only need three words. Yeah. In what big, would they be? Big, bold letters. Okay. In yeah. crayon or marker, <laughs> giant construction paper, save your money. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess for a lot of us right that have uh as it's flowed through our hands like uh sands through the the hourglass or wherever that expression goes uh i i certainly would uh that would be something i i uh probably should say to myself too but uh, i kind of did allude to that a little bit because yeah, well, wouldn't we all, I guess, yes. you know, I mean, yep. when you think of the money, either you wasted or were careless about or were carefree about or cavalier about probably would be the best word and and how you just uh, how your life uh, could be different if you could go back and change some things and stuff like that, you know. But uh, I mean, that reminds me, too, of that great movie with uh, uh, Jim Belushi played uh, or it's one of these time machine movies, you know, where back back when he was a 12 year old kid. And uh, he 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 struck out, you know, in this big baseball moment in in uh, in Little League. And then, you know, he, he has this whatever flashback with an angel or something. He's able to go back in time and he, he you know, he hits the home run. He doesn't strike out. He hits the home run. And uh, so he ends up, you know, he ends up marrying the prom queen and and he's living a life of riches and everything. But what he doesn't meet his wife, you know, but she's she's there in the second life. And he's going, hey, wait a minute. No, I really love you, but no, but we can't meet now because like I'm, I married the prom queen because I became a superstar because I hit that home run, you know. So it was kind of just one of those messages it was trying to trying to you know trying to show people. And uh, I, I I I extrapolated from that and wrote about a, uh, a a similar situation that I had almost at the same age, in fact. And a uh, big baseball game played between our two local uh, uh, elementary schools back in the day. But that's just the type of thing you can do, you know. You can have some fun with that. And uh, with my birthday tomorrow, uh, I uh, I did that last year. Of course, it was symbolic, uh, you know, cha age change. But uh, not doing that. Uh, the, the day itself as it is. I mean, my, I'm going to see my kids. That's what I'm most excited about more than anything else. And, and uh, you know, and I'm golfing in the morning. And I am going to absolutely light it up large tomorrow night for sure. I'm dropping the clutch, baby, and just going to give her. But, uh, you know, that, that could be any other day. But I'll celebrate a little harder because it's my birthday. And, you know, happy to be here, I guess, really, once you start getting to this age. But uh, but anyway, a couple things on May 21st I thought I'd deviate. I, I've got the whole um, Cal Gardner Kenny Reardon feud uh, ready to roll out for you at some point. You know, we, we, there's no rush, right, for us to do that. And uh, I can save it for next week. It's, um, it's a much shorter 
story than the Jimmy Orlandos and the Howie Youngs and that type. And some other people have messaged me, you know, that listen to these and say, oh, Liam, you should do Steve Durbano. And I said, yeah, yeah, I should. You know, Stevie, Steve Durbano is in that realm that that probably yet deserves to have something done in the in the realm that I've been doing this with you, Polly, and, and, and for us on Sticks and Taps. I just don't have the same inclination. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't have the same. I don't have the same passion or desire to. And it's it's not because he, you know, God rest his soul. You know, he died in jail uh, after just horrendous, uh, you know, involvement with drugs and, and and everything else. And look at the, you heard the other stories. I mean, Jimmy Orlando and Howie Young were no angels, and they both had their troubles and they both had their difficulties. Yes. Different times, different guys went clean and sober and this and that just because Durbano didn't. I mean, my God, you look at Goldie, okay? He didn't have anything to do with drugs, but you look at his life and not remember times incarcerated and everything else. Just don't have the inclination. But I do have one ready, you know, and and uh, and uh, I, I just, you know, I, I think we've had a good rip right now. It's up to you, but I would I would say we could save it uh, for whatever of the next upcoming weeks. Uh, it's, it's about two players, uh, Kenny Reardon, uh, born in 1921, Cal Gardner, born about three and a half years later, 1924. They're both, uh, ironically, Manitoba guys. And they had uh, maybe maybe one of, if not the top feud in NHL history between two men. There were some pretty unique occurrences surrounding it, including the biggest brawl in Madison Square Garden history, arguably the biggest brawl in NHL history, and also a feud that lasted... Um, it only lasted about two and a half years, but uh, the circumstances surrounding it and how it ended are, are make for a great story. So, you know, we can roll that out another time, pal, if you want, you know? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll roll it next week. No, I, I look, I love the, uh, uh, no, it's great, man. I mean, uh, your birthday tomorrow is fantastic. And, and, and these two stories that you just kind of rolled out are, are, are great. And, uh, you know, obviously for me as a Ranger fan, it, it hurts. And I, I know you like to hurt me. And then bringing these stories up, and uh, I get it. But, uh, you know, you know, it's funny. Cause... That's okay. You got, you got us the last couple of times we played you. You got us in the playoffs. I think you got your payback. But uh, let's be honest. The '79 Finals, the Rangers should have just worn a sticker saying "Happy to be here." Exactly. You know, I mean, I know. But I was just an opportunity to say. I was nine yeah. years old, buddy, in '79. You know, so I'm, I'm still. Still broken hearted about the whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That's then, that's a very the, influential age the, for you. And then the filthy islanders kind of ran the gambit here out here. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> so I'm, I'm listening to you talking about, I don't know if you remember watching the Minnesota series. <laughs> I didn't want to watch anything to do with the New York Islanders. We were sick. That was what, the, the second cup? Oh, my God. There was three more finals to go. Oh. I know. I know they were absolutely machine like, and and I think you you've got you've got the notebooks going personally, have you not? Yeah, I was lucky. Uh, uh, you know, uh, now you know from now and again, obviously <clears throat> uh, staying in touch with Butchie, but uh, obviously had the pleasure to uh, work with Butchie Butchie there when I first started. Um, you know, my radio network. You know, years pretty much. You know, not too much long after me and you met each other. You know what I'm saying? And I started building the, uh, you know, the the Hockey This Week network years ago. And uh, we had the Butch Goring show, and um, we we it was amazing. I have, you know, it's funny. Uh, growing up a Rangers fan here in, in New York, Long Island, and obviously, you know, 
being a young kid during the eighties and, and those those Stanley Cup champions and stuff, and you can sit here and you can say, Oh yeah, yeah, of course as a fan you loathe them, you hated them, you know, because they knocked the Rangers out all the time and they were the you know, it was the crosstown rivals and we can go on and on and on about how amazing uh, that rivalry's been over the years. And and unfortunately with the pause now in the NHL because the, the two teams now are also it's it was it's starting to look good now for the future here in New York too for both franchises you know what I'm saying so we're all hoping it comes back that way get back to that level but when I you know as you, as you grow up and you mature obviously you look back and you and you have so much respect for what they did and unfortunately here the Islanders as a franchise the dynasty and and all the magic they had here and the success and the and the championships and it just it. It because of poor ownership and politics and everything, and and they became just they were forgotten, you know, and and the and the franchise never really was able to bounce back, uh, you know, pretty much after, you know, when Neil Smith came in here for a heart, you know, heartbeat and Pat Lafontaine and that whole thing happened, and obviously Charles Wong came in here and the Lighthouse Project and even Spano before that and. You know, you can go back to Milbury and, and, and Maloney when they were here in the fish sticks jerseys. I mean, for a France, now I'm, I'm looking from the outside, right? And you can see, oh, I'm a Ranger fan. You can snicker, ha, 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 too bad. They're in laughing stock and all that other stuff. But as a Long Islander, as a New Yorker, and as a hockey fan, so much respect for the Islanders, right? Now, fast forward, I start the Hockey Network there, you know, a few years ago, starting to build it up. And Butchie reached out to me because the podcasting thing was just it wasn't it wasn't even called podcasting back then. It was just, you know, internet radio and I'd gotten out and, you know, started things and there was a bit of a buzz going on and and uh I, I got an email one day and it's from Butch Gorin. He reached me out and he wanted to do some radio. You know, he's working for MSG. So long story short, we um we met for lunch and I had we it was like two hours. I'm sitting here across across the table, you know, from a four time Stanley Cup champion. You know, uh, Conn Smythe winner, uh, just incredible. Always loved Butchie as a player, respecting him, all that stuff. You know, um, and, and obviously he's a TV guy with MSG, so part of the whole MSG network out here with the Rangers on his Devils. I've been lucky enough to obviously have a relationship with Dave Maloney and uh, Ken Danico, and it goes on and on and on. But um, here I am, the Ranger fan, and I, and I end up working with uh, Butchie. He wants to do a show, so he produced the Butch Goring show. And we start getting off, and it was at the beginning of all this broadband radio. I could go on and on about all the stories that uh, where we did the show. I always tried to put Butch in 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 the best uh, light because I always treated him as a like I said, just an incredible uh, hockey star and, and obviously a Stanley Cup champion and everything else. Real quickly, uh, you know, the conversation with Butchie at the time. Uh, thank God the organization has come tenfold now with Lamarillo and the new ownership and the new building coming company. I mean, the, the new building coming. So it's, it's on its way back to respect, but back at the time here and you're talking, uh, whatever it is, six, seven, eight years ago, uh, when, when, you know, I met Butchie and stuff, those guys weren't, they didn't do anything for the, um, for the alumni. It was really bad. They, you know, and at the time, like I said, these guys were, you know, Bobby's still out here, Bobby Nystrom, Clark Gillies and Mike Bossy working in the community and all that other stuff. But most of the other guys are gone. So I, I got to learn a lot about how those guys were treated afterwards. And it, it, even as a Ranger fan, I was just kind of appalled at, you know, the experience they went through because I was like, you guys are 
gods. You guys are hockey gods. Not only for what you accomplished on the ice, but you know, even as a Ranger fan, as a Long Islander, a local guy, what you guys did here was just incredible. You put hockey on the map out here. Uh, the Coliseum is a famous building. Uh, you know, one of the last, you know, dynasty, the last dynasty team. You know, just in- incredible. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I ended up having a great relationship with Butch, and, and that led to uh, some incredible moments. Me and my cousin Mike, he joined the show with us, and uh, but I had, you know, it's funny you're saying you, you keep in touch with uh, Trots and stuff. I have Trots still number two because I actually, uh, Butch, you put me, I was the guy, I was his producer, and here I was, uh, you know, all of them, uh, you know, uh, from Trots to Bossy to Billy Smith to uh, Dave Longevin, Lauren Henning, so it just ran through. I was I was in the room with Butch, uh, Clark, uh, Bobby, and listening to these guys tell the stories, you know. And like I said, this is where like I'm a, just an incredible hockey fan. And even though I'm a diehard Ranger fan, and those guys broke my hearts, I was so honored to be around these guys and to hear these stories. And it I used to bang my head on the wall because of the the lack of respect at the time and the organization and the shape that the organization is in. It's kind of like, can you imagine the Montreal Canadiens? They're still, you know, uh, a huge, uh, respected uh, top of the organization, all that history and everything. And even though it was a short history here on Long Island, it was kind of thrown to the wayside. And these guys, blood, sweat, and tears, what they did. And obviously, it's all, you know, for themselves personally, the championship and everything. But um, it was just incredible to just to be around these guys and, and stuff. And, and Butchie's a great guy, man. We, he was so cool uh, to work with me over the years. And the only reason we still don't do the show now is because, you know, you know, working with me, the, uh, the business just, it, it never kind of flourished. We weren't able to get advertisers. We weren't able to get sponsors. It was a lot of time in production and producing the shows and everything. And, and it's a lot easier than like what me and you were doing today, you know, as far as the, where podcasting is right now and, and the money that's in it is just unbelievable. When when we were doing it, nobody even what's a podcast? What's a what's an online radio show? You know, and and we couldn't get sponsors, we couldn't get advertisers. Nobody believed in it. And it was just an article today that came out about you know the the money uh, that's involved with podcasting. It's just insane. But for um you know like I said, I still keep in touch with Butch and and this uh, obviously with um you know. Uh, me getting back into the business right now, there's always the opportunity maybe working with Butchie again down the road. The Islanders, like I said, are, are turning things around up here. The new arena coming in, the franchise, Barry Trotz, uh, Lamarillo, just total respect, uh, championship caliber guys now back in, uh, you know, running hockey, hockey operations out here, coinciding with the New York Rangers organization, also young, uh, you know, uh, great stuff with J.D. coming back here, and Gorton's great, and Coach Quinn, and, seeing how these teams are going to develop here going forward and stuff like that. So the future looks great, and I'm excited to hopefully work with uh, those guys again. But, um, yeah, that was just – Butchie was great, and those guys were just amazing. Like I said, I, I, I met so many of them, uh, talked to so many of them on the phone, and I did, you know, when I used to be uh, – and I was always respectful. I was never been a guy – I never asked – the only time I asked Butch for an autograph was for a fundraiser for a friend of mine. Uh, and that's it. Like I always tell those guys, like I, n- I never asked, I never took any pictures with the guys. I didn't do any selfies. I never took autographs. I just had this amazing, I was living in the moment and just appreciated the, uh, the time and the respect of being with those guys. And to be honest with you, <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, I would imagine tons of Islander fans would be incredibly jealous of, of the, the, the experience that I had of, of hanging around with these guys. And it, it was just awesome. So, uh, good stuff. Yeah, that's that. There you go. Yeah, I do know Butch Gore. 
<laughs> Are you still there with me, Liam? <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, that gets to, you know, your memories, uh, you know, listen to you about your memories and, and what the teams meant to you and the experience and all that other stuff. And, and even that thing about, you know, that's Trache and writing back to his younger self. Uh, that could be a great thing to kind of expand on down the road too because I'm sure in sports – at a level, a guy missing a shot, missing a breakaway, those moments, all that stuff, uh, you know, it all kind of come full circle. And the ones who do fail and then the ones who lose and, and, and then win, it's, it's, it's great. But that's sports and that's hockey, and, um, and that's why I love doing the show with you, man. Right on, pal. Great stuff today. Um, and uh, obviously my toast today will be to you uh, and a very happy birthday and 100 more for you, lad. And I uh, want you uh, – Tell everybody about this great song that we're going to wrap up here for this uh, three-week edition here of the Clancy Brothers. Well, here we go. It's, uh, I, I, uh, I am, and thank you for the toast, by the way. I will have a great day tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put a, a little. Uh, we're gonna put the Clancy Brothers on hiatus after today, and we're gonna delve into some of the other fantastic music that has emanated from the uh, uh, from the Emerald Isle. And today we will finish with a song that finished many of their concerts. Now, the interesting thing about the Parting Glass, Polly, is that the if you delve into the very earliest origins of the song, it appears to be that it was a, uh, a Scottish uh, tune originally hundreds of years ago. I mean, several hundreds anyway, uh, you know, when it first sort of made its way known. Now, it, like most songs and many of the ones that we have highlighted here on Sticks and Taps, uh, it had different names and, and, and maybe the lyrics might be have changed a little bit. But when it kind of took on an Irish overtone, if you will, was when um, P.W. Joyce, as he was more formerly known, Patrick Weston Joyce was an Irish historian and a writer and a music collector. And, and he was a researcher and uh, he lived many, 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 many years ago. And he took the tune such as it was and kind of brought it, if you will, into Irish culture. I'd say he was one of, if not the first to do so. And again, it's, it it had some different names. It was called some different things and, and had a little bit of variance in the melodies. And I liked saying all this to you because it's not that I really have any expertise in it at all per se, but I'd like to think that when I reference these songs to you as a musician, that you kind of totally understand what, you know, what the, what the reference is and what I'm talking about here. And, and in, in respect to the, to the parting glass, it, uh, it made its way you know, through, through the 1800s and, and uh, with, with different variations and, and different names and different singers and all of the rest. But like so many others that we've talked about here, by the time the Clancy brothers, Liam, Patty, and Tommy, and their compatriot, Tommy Makem, decided to take the song and do a recording of it, they took it to a whole other level with their style, their ling linguistic approach to it, their melody with it, officially now at this point called the Parting Glass and ended up on their uh, one of, if not their initial album, I believe it was Come, Come Fill Your Glass With Us, which came out in 1959. 
which was the year I was born. So I think this just puts a whole big, nice bow on the Clancy brothers and Tommy Bacon, Tommy Makeham, and uh, my uh, my on the eve of my birthday with all the history I've got in hockey and everything. And I love this song, and I love Liam Clancy singing it. And that's kind of the history of it. And I think it's uh, it's a good one to take us out today, Paulie, and to shut down uh, sticks and taps today. And next week we'll have uh, we'll have a different Irish artist. But uh, what a better way to go out with a shot of whiskey and my toast. And I do appreciate you toasting me. Will be to uh, Teppo Terry Verta, who uh, died a few days ago. Um, he was a former Finnish hockey player. I never knew him, but his name and and his life and his his his, uh, his he played in the World Juniors. He was drafted by he was actually drafted by the New York Islanders. He never came overseas, but he he played top level Division One in Finland for a number of years, and by all accounts, a prince of a man. And one of his sons is a scout for the Carolina Hurricanes currently, and uh, and so I'm gonna I'd like to toast uh, his passing and his memory. He he goes he never went by Teppo he went by Terry because his favorite player growing up and through hockey was Terry O'Reilly of the Boston Bruins. I love that absolutely love that. And you probably know yourself, Polly, that there's no um, European country, Scandinavian or former East Bloc or anything anybody that played closer to Canadian hockey than the Finns. They love to hit. They've got no problem fighting. They can drink. And, uh, geez, I'll tell you what, the ones that I've gotten to know, I, I sure speak highly of. And, and uh, Terry Verta sounds like he was one of those guys. And I just the last one, Polly, uh, we had a terrible tragedy here in Canada not that long ago. One of our snowbirds, our uh, commemorative uh, Planes that fly in sequence and in variation and whatnot, and all the great, uh, all the great choreography that they do in the air, uh, choreography in the air that they do. And, and sadly, there was a, a crash out west, and we lost a young lady uh, named. She was a captain. Her name was Jennifer Casey. She also worked in the media for a large number of years. Polly. She was on radio. She was a huge hockey fan, a huge Montreal Canadian fan. She leaves a family behind and friends. Obviously, imagine a captain. She enlisted in 2014 and got heavily involved in the Snowbird program initially just from, you know, marketing and whatnot, but was also wanted to get involved by being in the plane. And she was uh, a pilot and behind Captain uh, McDougal that suffered that terrible crash. And thankfully he was okay, but uh, she didn't make it. So they're my two toasts today and, uh, and uh, going out with the parting glass and that's it. That's all. Good stuff, man. Well, here's to their memories. And uh, here's to you, mate. Happy birthday. And to everybody else joining us here at Sticks and Taps, thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. We appreciate it as always. Enjoy the parting glass. And Liam, go on now and say goodbye to the folks. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Get eight. Oh, all the money that air I spend, I spend it in good company. And all the harm that I ever did Alas, it was to none but you And all I've done for want of wit To memory now I can't recall So fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be with you.
I had money enough to spend and leisure a time to sit a there is a fair maid in this town that sorely has my heart beguiled. Her rosy cheeks and ruby lips, I own she has my heart in thrall. So fill you me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you. Oh, all the comrades that e'er I had, they're sorry for my going away. And all the sweethearts that e'er I had, they'd wish me one more day to stay. But since it falls unto my lot That I should rise and you should not I'll gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be 